Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Celine. Celine DaCosta is a published writer, speaker, and brand story coach for visionary leaders ready to leverage storytelling to deeply connect with their audience, create a premium brand, and scale their business with impact. Since leaving corporate America to design her design life on her own terms, Celine has visited 60 plus countries and now travels full time while running her business, which you'll definitely have to tell us more about because I know a lot of people listening want to travel. And every time we have somebody on here talking about traveling, they eat it right up. They're like, come on more information about that. So (laughs) definitely have to talk talk about that today. Uh, Celine's story has been featured in major international publications, including Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Business Insider, and has a loyal community of 60,000 plus dreamers following her adventures around the world. She's also the author of two books, The Art of Being Human and If Hearts Could Talk. Which are, where can we pick up those books if anybody wants to check them out? They're available on Amazon. Okay, great. I'll have to link that up in the show notes so everybody can uh, grab a copy if they listen to this and they're like, yes, we want more. We want to hear more about what's going on with Celine. So Celine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. People listening may not know, but I was extremely late for this because my computer kept <laughs> crashing. Um, so I appreciate your patience and you sticking with me. Um, so I'd love to have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, what made you leave corporate America? Like, cause a lot of people that is their dream is to get into corporate America and have that steady income coming in and everything like that. So what happened there with you? What happened with me? Um, so I immigrated to the U S when I was a child and I know you can't tell because I do have an American accent, but I'm originally from Italy. And uh, long story short, I spent a good portion of my, you know, childhood and, and a teenage and or young adult life just being pushed to fit into this mold of the American dream. It's what I was sold from the moment I stepped foot in the country, you know, like work really hard, like you, you must work really hard and then get into the best college and then make sure you get into corporate and make a name out of yourself, be somebody, right? And um, that's what I grew up in. The culture that I grew up in is one of overachieving, of uh, you know running in the hamster wheel, of making sure that I'm doing everything just right, that everything is perfect, that I'm succeeding, succeeding, succeeding. And oftentimes that was tied to how much money I earned. Um, and so um, I did all the right things. You know, I learned English. I got my straight A's. I got myself into one of the best universities in the States. Um, right after university, I applied to, to jobs in New York City because New York City is where I was supposed to go, even though I hated the city. Um, I, I made myself go there because it's where everybody was going. It's where people, dreamers go to succeed. So I go to New York City and I start working this job. Um, and, you know, it's the typical grind, you know, you start at the bottom and you're working your, your 60 hour plus weeks and you're trying to prove yourself and trying to prove your worth so you can get a promotion so you can make more money so you can show people that, you know, you're in the company and, and you're, you're moving up. And, uh, I'm going through this routine of like waking up every day at six in the morning to go to the gym. So then I can go work my 10 hour days and then, you know, 
go uh, meet my friends for a drink somewhere, the typical go-to and then, you know, go to bed, pass out, do it all over again. And I just hit this point uh, a couple of years in. I mean, granted, there was a lot of things that happened in a, sequ- in a sequence. You know, the universe always is sending signs. Um, I just basically had all these things fall apart over the course of a few months. And I hit this breaking point when I said to myself, what am I doing with my life? I don't enjoy this. I find no fulfillment. I'm working for a company that it's great. It's a great company, but like, I don't actually have a sense of purpose, a bigger why as to why, you know, why I'm doing this. Um, I don't know where my future is going, but if this is it, if this is what life is meant to be, um, just this consistent routine and grind of me waking up every day and doing the same thing all over again, then that's not the kind of life I want to live. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, I had a breaking point and, um, you know, I don't want to just talk at you. So, so I'm happy to answer like questions about specific questions, but um, I hit a breaking point and I realized that I couldn't live another day of my life this way. And that's when I started the process of completely redesigning my life. Oh, well, that sounds interesting. Redes- when you got ready to leave corporate America, what did redesign your life look like? Like that's a, <laughs> that's a big, broad like statement. What did that mean for you? Well, yeah, it's funny because this is also, you know, something that I teach um, and I had to figure it out. I I had to figure out the long and hard way. um, But I basically started with what I did not want, which is um, I did not want to live in New York City. And, 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 you know, these are all things there. We all have our collection of lies that we tell ourselves to be to stay in the situation that we're in at any given moment. And so um, your life starts to change when you look those lies in the face and actually confront the truth that's behind them, right? And the reason why you were hiding them in the first place. Um, For me, it was, I did not want to live in New York City. Um, Number one, because I'm a peaceful, calm creature at heart, and I was just forcing myself to be a hustle and bustler because I thought that's who I needed to be. Um, Number two, I, I, I am like one of my number one values in life and my business is human connection. I crave like connection. I have high levels of it. I mean, we all do because we're humans, but like I must have it. And for me to spend my whole day staring at a screen just was not working. Um, you know, three, it's just like the whole, the quality of life of, you know, making money and then spending all of it just to survive, um, just to live in like a tiny shitty little apartment with like a few other people and have like mice, you know, come through your kitchen and steal your peanuts. I'm like, why am I buying peanuts so that mice can eat them and then shit on my counter so I can clean it up. What kind of life is that? And so um, I started with all the things I didn't want. And I was like, well, what do I want? And the answer was, I don't know. I don't know what I want. Um, But what I did know is that I could no longer tolerate what I had. So um, what I decided was to just scrap everything. And the way that it looked like in terms of redesigning my life, it was a process of, okay, well, if I don't want to live here, let me start applying to jobs in different countries. And then I started applying to jobs in different countries in Europe where I wanted to go back to. And as I was applying, I was like, I don't like this job, period. So let me apply to different industries. And so I started applying outside of advertising and I started applying to tech industries in different countries. And then I'm like, I don't like this job or this industry <laughs> or this, I, like, it doesn't matter because it's the same shit. It's just a different toilet. Mm-hmm. And so then that, and this over the course of three, four months, I was like, what do I actually want to do? Like, holy shit, what does Celine want? And I was like, I still don't have an answer. Here's what I have. I love traveling. 
I love meeting people and I love writing. And those three things I am certain of. So what if I just rip everything apart and just start doing just that every single day? And that's where the idea for my social experiment in which I spent a year um, couch surfing around the world came up. And that's how I decided to just rip the bandaid, take a leap of faith and buy a one-way ticket and just travel the world. Um, so I didn't know what I wanted, but I sure as hell knew what I didn't want it. And I knew what I loved. Um, and I knew that if I did that every day, it would bring me to where I needed to be. How the hell did you manage to find a place to stay that whole time on strangers' couches? How does that work? Like I, I'm <laughs> baffled here. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I know that what I did is a little bit extreme, but I want to extract the lesson which anyone can apply. Maybe not everyone wants to do what I did, but um, it's resourcefulness, right? It's really that developing that muscle of resourcefulness that when you really want something, don't let anything get in your way. There is always a means, there's always a way. So when I told myself, I'm going to you know, quit corporate, I'm going to leave everything behind, I'm going to travel the world, my first thought was, well, I don't have any fucking money, so how am I going to do that? Uh, and then my second thought was, well, how can I make money? How can I make this work, right? And that's where the resourcefulness comes in. So I um, started saving um, up 20% of every, every paycheck. I started taking on side gigs, um, started selling like old um, you know, furniture or clothes that I wasn't wearing anymore, just any way that I could to just put, put money in my savings, put money in my savings. Um, and then I realized, well, this is still not enough. I need to figure out another way. How could I travel the world? Well, I could travel the world if I didn't pay for accommodation. That would certainly help. I was like, well, how do I do that and still do what I love? And I was like, well, how do I bring together a need that I have, a basic need, which is to travel and to be able to like literally afford it. Um, and then the need of my human connection and writing and traveling and meeting new people. And I thought to myself, what if I make this into a fun experiment? Like if I just treat this like a game. And the game was that I would need to circumnavigate the globe by um, sleeping in the homes or staying in the homes of people who I was connected with somehow. So have you ever heard of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yes, the, I have, the, but the, just in yes. case other people haven't heard of it that are listening, let us know what it is. So it's this theory that we are six degrees connected to everyone on the planet. So everyone, you know, if you, Megan, have a friend um, and that person has a friend and that person has a cousin and that like, then I meet them somewhere on the other side of the world. Basically, everybody you meet can be traced back to you somehow. Um, and so I decided to use this theory to see if I could just um, stay, find anywhere I wanted to go in the world, just find someone who was connected to someone I had physically met in real life um, or that I, that I knew. And so I started to just, you know, a few months before traveling, I started to ask people, hey, I'm thinking about going to Austria. I'm thinking about going to Montenegro. Do you know anyone there? Or I'm thinking about going to Australia. And lo and behold, the more I asked, the more I would find, you know, someone who'd say, yes, actually, my cousin's uh, sister lives there, right? He let me connect you to this person. And so when I left, I already had a few connections, I already had a few starting points to where I could travel. And then as I went and took the leap of faith into the unknown, um, I realized that people, I would just meet people on the road, you know, like I go to uh, Greece and I would meet someone who knew somebody who lived in New Zealand or I would go to Nepal and, you know, I, true story, I went to Nepal and I met this guy at a meditation retreat for all of 30 minutes who lived in Tasmania and was like, hey, 
you can come visit me. And then six months later, I went to go visit him in freaking Bobblefuck Tasmania. So um, it's, I just, I just went for it at a hundred percent, threw myself into the world. And my vision was, I am going to design a life that I absolutely love. I'm going to learn what it's like to live a life that really fulfills me. And then everything else is just going to solve itself. It must. So what did you do to make money in order to do all the traveling? Like, was it just selling the clothes and everything, or did you do things along the way? Well, I saved um, in the six months between me, you know, working and um, setting off on the plane. I had saved $10,000. I was very aggressive about, um, you know, I was putting literally every freaking penny aside, and I was taking on side jobs. I was working like really long weeks. So, so I must, you know, highlight that there was a sacrifice involved in the, in the months leading up. It wasn't like all roses and sunshine and butterflies. Um, so I left with that, um, pocket, um, that safety, um, under me. And then when I started traveling, actually because of my networking and because of how much I was reaching out to people, telling them about my project, telling them about my dreams, even before I left, um, Call it serendipity. I don't think there's anything in the world as coincidences, but I got connected to a director of Forbes at Women who took so much interest in my story that she invited me to um, document my story right away. So my first article about my project was aired on Forbes. um, And that gave gave me some leverage to reach out to publications. So I started by writing, just writing for publications, um, taking, picking up odd jobs here, like odd online jobs. But honestly, Megan, I wasn't making that much money. I would say like five to $700 a month, maybe, um, if I was lucky. So, you know, those were basically the first few months, but I also wasn't spending much, um, other than the flights. I was, uh, you get really resourceful again, when, when you need to get resourceful, you get super resourceful. So I remember, I used to, um, you know, I got like a, I would travel and and I did at the time I didn't have a lot of followers. Like now I have a good chunk of followers on Instagram. So it's easier to get like free things. But I remember um, reaching out to boards of tourism and letting them know that I would help them find stories about their country that they didn't even know about. And they would host me, um, you know, with just a couple thousand followers, they they would host in me um, in their country. I remember reaching out even like, um, you know, getting into museums and being like, Hey, I write for Forbes and getting those entrances for free. I was trying everything to make this work. Um, and so the first few months, it was very much just putting myself out there in the world and see, relying on the kindness of people, honestly, and people's understanding and kindness and their belief in the, in my dream. Um, and then as the months went by, I started, you know, to get smarter and savvier about my work and started to get more organized. And, you know, fast forward a year, that was when I was, um, able to get in a place where I launched what is now my, um, you know, brand story and like design coaching business. But all of those that all of that led to that. But in the meantime, I was just getting resourceful as fuck and making sure that whatever I wanted, I was getting in, in one way, shape or form. Um, and that required a lot of creativity on my end. (laughs) It sounds like it. So what was the hardest part of the traveling? Like what was the hardest part for you? The loneliness for sure. Um, I threw myself into the world. Um, without, you know, I had a rough plan, but I didn't have, I couldn't get, there was no guarantees for anything. Um, there was no, 
you know, oh, if I do this, I'm going to get that. It was literally a, I'm going to throw myself into the world and I'm going to trust that the universe is going to take care of me, that I'm going to find my path. I'm going to trust myself. And so, you know, there were so many times throughout my journey. First of all, I was alone, right? And even though I was staying in people's homes, I was traveling alone. I, I was on my own. And there were times during my journey where, you know, this one time when I was in Myanmar where I got so sick, so, so sick. And I was, you know, staying, um, I didn't have, it was in Bagan, so I didn't find a host, but I did find a hotel to host me, which counted. And I was just sick, 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 and just sitting there like in my bed with a high fever, knowing that I was so far away from the, any person that I loved. And I was alone. Um, and I was there and I had to take care of myself. Like moments like that when um, it really hit me how, how, you know, I had to take care of myself and be there for me. Um, and there were times when, you know, I would either have a bad day or things wouldn't go according to plan. Or, you know, I would look at my bank account and see how little money I had. And just thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, did I make a mistake? Have I just thrown away a dream that I worked so hard, you know, a quote unquote dream that I didn't even want, but, um, you know, was I stupid? Did I, um, you know, quit corporate for nothing? Am I just going to screw up my life right now? And just these moments of just, you know, when you're alone, you're alone and you are, it's you and your mind, right? And, and if you're not taking care of your mindset, if you're not taking care of your state of being, you become your own worst enemy. And there were definitely times where I beat myself up. Uh, I doubted myself, um, you know, questioned myself and those moments of just sitting there with me um, without an escape, without any distractions and, and having to face um, my decisions and my choices and the person I was and the person I was becoming, it was really hard. So what were the best tools or the best things that you used to help you get past that loneliness to be able to continue on? Because it sounds like, I mean, there were times that you're really close to like, just being like, I, I can't do this no more. I gotta go. Mm -hmm. uh, so what things helped you? So it's funny because the things that helped me I had to learn these tools that I had to learn the hard way are things that save me today, right? It's what makes me be able to live a life by my own design um, and tools that I use every single day. So um, the tools I was using then is uh, number one, journaling. Oh my God, you got to get those thoughts out of your brain and onto paper so that they can just get on something that you can read and analyze and look at it from a third party um, perspective because we're so tough on ourselves and we run so many dialogues in our head. But when you actually get them out on paper, it helps so much to actually um, see what you're going through and, what, and things that come out that you might be ignoring when they're inside of your head. Um, number two, asking for help. Um, so, and this was so humbling because so many times I had to ask complete strangers for help. Um, and you know, you know, there's like that cheesy quote where it's like, be nice to everyone you meet. They're fighting a battle, you know, nothing about. And I used to be like, aha, uh -huh, like what a cheesy quote. And it, it's so true. There were times when I would go to a coffee shop and I would strike up a conversation with a stranger and I'd be having like such a lonely day. And of course I wouldn't tell that person, but that, the fact that that person was kind to me and just took a moment to like talk to me and, and connect with me, it meant so much. And it really made me realize how many people are going through pain in their lives, through hurdle, and they're just sitting, you know, walking around the world, like hiding it. And you don't even know how much you, you smiling at them or you talking to them or you complimenting them that day could actually save them and help them through, through whatever they're going through. So um, 
you know, asking for help either implicitly, which is just striking up a conversation with people, asking them about their story, or um, explicitly, literally, you know, if I was a bit closer to one of my hosts, just being like, hey, can we talk um, about this and just kind of getting it out. Um, another tool that I, storytelling, storytelling, it's something that, you know, anyone who's familiar with my work and my brand knows I'm so passionate about is just listening to other people's stories um, gives you so much perspective on your own life. And I always like to think that if I'm having a hard day or hard time and I just ask someone to tell me their story, I always like to think there's a lesson or a clue hidden in that, you know, um, in whatever other people have to say, because we are all, we're all interconnected. Um, and I don't believe that we're separate. So, um, I always find that listening to other people's stories and listening to what they have to say about their own lives, there's always like something buried in there. Um, other tools, of course, it's meditation, which is, um, you know, the practice of stillness and, and actually creating silence for yourself and not letting all the thoughts and the worries and the fears just, um, storm your brain. And um, what other tools did I use? I would say those were, were the big ones that I use that to this day I'm using and perfecting and tweaking and have really helped me um, get a strong grip of my, of my mindset, of my self-awareness, of my development and uh, my growth, both in my life and my business. I like that you've brought up storytelling because I feel like that's one of the most powerful pieces to this podcast is sharing women's stories. And even if you haven't been there and done those things, uh, you walk away with some sort of inspiration or, you know, some sort of motivation. Every time you hear somebody's story, it helps you feel more interconnected with those around you. So I love that you're all about storytelling because that, that is, I, I love it too. I think it's such a powerful thing to use. Um, so I'd love to have you guys, you have you guys. Yeah. Like there's multiple people on this podcast. I'd love to have you. There's multiple people in my head. <laughs> yeah, <I never laughs> Lots of voices. <laughs> I'd love to have you share with us. Um, what was the, the best part of your travels? Like what was your ultimate favorite part of your travels? Like you've talked about your struggles and you know, what's helped you through those, but share with us a little bit about like, what were like the, the, the best parts of that? The best parts of my travel, um, I would say, well, number one, seeing the world. Hello. I got to see so many beautiful places around the planet that, you know, it's funny because um, I used to have like a top 10 places I always wanted to go to when I was in corporate. And I'm like, okay, well, my two week vacation, I guess I can knock these out in 10 years. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I knocked them all out and more, you know, um, in just that year, just got to see all the places I've always dreamed of, like Greece and Croatia and Nepal and New Zealand and Australia. I got to see so much um, of the planet and how beautiful it is. Um, but I would say even more special than seeing the world is the people who I met along the way. And, uh, you know, I was hosted by all kinds of people. Um, I slept in like a t cot in like a village in Indonesia, um, you know, it, it like going to the toilet in a hole in the ground, um, all the way to being like in a penthouse with like my own private quarters. Like I have done everything in between and just meeting people, you know, whether they're wealthy, whether they're, um, you know, they, they're lacking in resources or different cultures and just seeing how fundamentally we all crave the same things. We're all in this together, you know, to, we all want to feel loved. We all want to have somebody listen and pay attention to us. Like we all want to feel like valued and respected 
and heard. And for me to, to meet people around the world and just like seeing these similarities. And I made friends around the world that um, I'm going to always have forever. Even now, you know, I had a layover in Sydney, Australia. I just got back from Fiji. I'm in Bali now and I had a 24 hour layover and I got to see like a friend that I hadn't seen in two years. Like everywhere I go, there's someone to reconnect with. Um, but I think what's, what's really important, I, the highlight is every person I met, and, and this is actually something I'm writing my memoir about, um, every person I met had a story to tell. Every single person. And that story taught me a lesson. So I am not the same person anymore because of the stories that I've heard from every single one person that I met, if that makes sense. Um, just basically one of the things that you know I hear a lot and even with the work that I do is people are like, oh, I don't have a story to tell or my story is not interesting enough um, or, oh, I, I don't know, I'm too shy or like it's too dramatic or it's not dramatic enough. And everyone's just so self-conscious about their story. And one of the things that I have no doubt about anymore, no doubt, is that everybody has a story to tell that can really impact someone. And I know it because that's what happened to me. Um, the people I met changed my life, every single one of them in their own unique way, big or small. Um, they taught me about myself, what I wanted, what I didn't want, um, you know, how to, how to create the sort of life that I wanted. They, they really had... Yeah, that had the people that I met, I think the hosts, just the crazy experience of walking into someone's house and not knowing who they were and knowing I was going to sleep there that night. And it was basically like, I need to talk to them and we need to connect really fast or this is going to be weird. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. Like, that'd be kind of scary, you know, <laughs> walking into a stranger's house and be like, I'm going to be staying here tonight. I hope you're not a psychopath. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I had that dialogue in my head a few times and you know what? It was scary, but in that, in that fear was exhilaration and in that fear was an openness to see beyond that fear. Right. So instead of one of the things, you know, I struggled since I was little, I really struggled with trust issues, um, you know, with people around me and not, you know, not to delve deep into my story, but, um, yeah, you know, I had people who were supposed to take care of me as a child who, who didn't. Um, in, in very painful ways. And because of that, I grew up being really distrustful, skeptical of people, really thinking the worst of people. And, um, you know, sometime in my early adulthood, I realized that that wasn't serving me and I needed to change. But this trip was my challenge to myself that I could trust humanity, that I could trust people. And I put myself in my position where I had no choice but to learn how to trust someone fast and ask the right questions and really see them for who they are rather than living in a bubble of my own judgments and my, um, of what I thought was right and what I thought was wrong. I had to basically step out of my own head and be like, let me look at this person as a blank slate and let me trust, just trust them first and get to know them. Um, and it was really scary, but it paid off incredibly. It also sounds like it was very healing for you that it, it helped oh. heal a part of you. Yes. To this day, I'm still healing. Um, you know, it started a process of healing that to this day, I'm still, um, I'm still completing. Um, it was, you know, there's multiple things that I was very wounded when I left, you know, I was on multiple levels, um, on the level of growing, having a childhood and a teenagehood where, 
um, people who were supposed to protect me. You know, I had my stepfather walk out on me. I met my dad when I was my real father when I was 15. Um, I had to, you know, um, I don't want to get so much into it, but I basically had a lot of things happen to me or let's say for me that, um, that put me in the state of just utter trust, uh, sorry, mistrust in other people of always of being so scared of being abandoned of loss, um, scared to be by myself, not trusting myself. Um, then, you know, all the years spent trying to be someone that I didn't, that I wasn't and being able to release myself from that identity. Because when I traveled the world, no one knew where, I, what school I went to. They didn't give a shit mm-hmm. that I went to like a really nice school or they didn't give a shit that I worked in a really fancy agency. Like they didn't even know what it was. And to kind of have to shed that identity and just start off as a blank state state and have the freedom to, to claim who I was, was so healing to be like, Hey, I get to be me now. I'm allowed to do that. Um, and to, to actually figure out what I want to do, not what other people say that I want to do and to not have to like be scared that I'm not going to make my next paycheck. Cause I'm not freaking making a paycheck. So that fear is gone. Um, and going out into the world and, and having to just be, um, was very terrifying and very healing because then I got to rediscover who I really am. Yeah. It's so easy to lose yourself in the hustle and bustle of life. Like not even know who you are and what you're doing or why you're doing it and what's going on here. And I think, you know, a lot of people will look back and be like, you know, 30 years has passed by and what am I doing with my life? But you were fortunate enough to figure that out a little bit earlier than some people and start looking for, how can I be me? How can I be me and do the things that make me feel good? And I think a lot of people struggle to do that. Um, yes. So I'd love to have, have you share with us. Um, what are, what are the, some of the, the biggest takeaways for you? What are some things that you could tell people right now that are listening that can help them start on that path? for themselves, rediscovering who they are and, and creating them a life that they truly enjoy living. Because, you know, there's probably women listening right now that are like, I, this sounds like a fantasy to me. I have no idea what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Um, well, the number one tip I would say is don't let, you know, my story and the, like you said, like it being a fantasy, don't use that as an excuse to not look at your own life. And that's, that's the very first thing, right? Because yes, what I did was extreme, but change like deep, meaningful change and redesigning your life doesn't mean you have to rip everything apart and like go travel the world like I did. It actually can happen right in your reality and in your life. So the first, um, you know, takeaway, um, or tip that I would give is look at your fears. You know, you're scared of something right now. Um, Whoever's listening, there's something you're scared of. I mean, there's a reason why you're listening to this. And if you've made it this far, why you kept on listening. And there's something you might be scared of. Maybe it's, um, you know, quitting your job because you're unhappy in your current job. Maybe it's, um, uh, you know, separating from your partner because you're not finding that fulfillment um, in the relationship. Maybe it's... um, it is traveling the world. It is going off and doing something crazy you've always wanted to do. Um, or, you know, again, it can be simple. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, you're scared of loosening, like working less hours at your job because you want to spend more time with your kids. There's something right now that you want and there's a fear that is right in front of it. 
And until you actually look at that fear, instead of just regurgitating what you want, which is, oh, I wish I had a better job. And by the way, the words I wish, get rid of this. <laughs> I must have an, a job. I must, I, I will create a new reality where I do get to spend time with my kids. But there's something you want and you don't have it right now. And the reason you don't have it is because you're scared. Until you look that fear in the face, it's, you're just going to keep wishing that you had the thing you want. So number one, look that fear in the face because until you do, nothing's going to happen. Absolutely nothing. Um, for me, my fear, uh, you know, obviously, and, and I say fear, but there's going to be multiple most likely. For me, um, that fear was I built, I spent so much time and so much, you know, t years and life and energy building this identity that I thought I wanted and now I don't want it anymore. Um, and I realized it's destroying me. What is on the other side of that? I don't know. And I'm scared to like let go of this old identity because I don't know what the new one is. And I don't know if it will be better. That was my fear until you confront that nothing's going to change. And when you confront, you look that fear in the face, instead of being scared of it, start asking it questions, start negotiating with it, be kind to it. Okay. Why am I scared? Why is it so scary for me to quit my job right now? Oh, it's, is it, it's because I don't feel like I have enough money. Okay. Where's that coming from? Because there's always something underneath. We use the fears as an excuse, as a mask to hide what's really underneath. Because maybe you think you're scared. You're like, oh, well, I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. Well, where is that sense of fear and loss coming from, right? You can go deeper. Is it because as a child, you grew up in financial scarcity and now you don't trust yourself that you can get into another job and make money? Um, is it because you have a lot of bills to pay? Well, why do you have so many bills? Is it because you keep adding things to your plate that you don't need because um, you're distracting yourself from another pain, right? So there's actually a lot to unpack. So start asking your fear questions, um, start negotiating with it. And instead of saying, well, I don't have it, you know, I don't have any money, get into a resourceful state of mind, which is, well, how could I have money in a reality in which I do quit my job? And I'm just using the quit my job as an example. You mm. can apply this to many, many different scenarios. But, you know, if I do quit my job um, and I'm scared I don't have any money, how could I make money? What are 10 ways that I can actually make money? Even if it's ridiculous, even if it's one, get a loan from my grandma, like two, pick up a side hustle. Three, get a loan from the bank. Four, and half of it, you're like, I'm not fucking getting a loan from my grandma, but at least you got yourself in a state of mind where you're resourceful enough to even allow yourself to go there mentally. Because now you're opening up your mind to what is possible rather than what you cannot do. So instead of asking yourself, whenever you say, I can't, switch the question, ask a better question. How can I? And that is going to start opening uh, new things for you. Um, and then the third step is to actually start flipping your excuses. This is something that, you know, I, I go through a, a deep process with my clients and that I teach people as well is, you know, if your excuse is, uh, you know, well, I, I need to, you know, pay my rent and I need to do this, which again, it's, it's, it's reasonable, right? But don't use it as an excuse. Okay. How can I pay my rent? and earn enough money to also put aside. So it's basically getting into this resourceful state of mind and not allowing your fears to cripple you and definitely not ignoring them. And then once you've dealt with your fears or you're dealing with them, ask yourself, what do I want? How can I wake up today? When I wake up this morning, what is one thing I can do to get me a step closer to what I want? 
And that might be, you know, reaching out to, you know, a few people who have the sort of job that you want, uh, or that might be, um, writing your partner a, a note, a kind note or a post-it to make them smile. Or that might be, um, taking 30 minutes to like have breakfast with your kid and just actually listen to them talk. Um, even if nothing else in your life has changed yet, you can always, always carve out time. And, you know, one of the things my father always told me is if you can't create an hour of time out of your day, you're not a man, like you're not a human being. We have time. We just need to reorganize it. Um, and there's small steps you can do every single day, even when you haven't seen the big change yet, um, for you to walk towards what you want for you to confront your fears. But until we take those steps, um, that nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change if you're just doing what you're doing right now. So even asking yourself, waking up in the morning and being like, what are three things I can do today, big or small, that are going to get me a step closer to the desire, to the intention. But it's really important to set that intention, right? To say, okay, in six months and give yourself a deadline. In six months, I want to be in a job that fulfills me. In six months, I want to reduce my work week to 30 hours and spend, and go to my kids' games. Um, in six months, I want to have learned how to be happy and single. Uh, you know, six months, I want to leave um, my job and I want to have left for the first country I'm going to visit. So set an intention, look your fears in the face, negotiate with them, reverse engineer your excuses, and take at least one step every single day towards that intention. Is that helpful? Yeah, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of helpful information coming at everybody in their ears. I love it. Yeah, that was a mini coaching session right there. There you go, guys. You just got a free mini coaching session. Thanks to the podcast. Um, No, that was amazing. And I would love um, for you to share anything that you have left in you that you want to share as we wrap up the podcast, what is something that you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with after that big motivational speech you just gave us? I know. Sorry. That was a lot. I was like, no, that was great. You were on a roll. I loved it. It's definitely, there was so much, so much useful information that you gave us. (laughs) If there's anything that you have left that you'd like to leave the inspired women audience with, what would that be? Hmm. I would say take the time to get to know yourself. And I know that sounds so sometimes, you know, some people are like, wait, what, what do you mean? I'm, I am in my body. I live in my body. I know myself, but we don't because, you know, especially, you know, the women that follow you from what I know of you, Megan, like ambitious, <laughs> doing a lot of things like superwoman, right? The, a lot of ladies that are listening to this right now, like I know you're, you're showing up every day and you're doing a lot, you know, whether it's for yourself or for your family, or for work, the way that you're showing up in the world can sometimes feel exhausting. And all I want to leave you with is to get to know yourself because you know we spend so much of our time just distracting, running from one task to the other, um, distracting ourselves, whether it's on social media or it's you know meeting our friends. And again, those things are all great and have their time and place. But when was the last time that you took an hour to just sit with yourself and listen to your heart? When was the last time that you took an hour to go to a massage and just be like, what do I want today? What do I want for my life? Um, What is my dream? What is the bigger picture of what I'm doing? And we we don't do that enough 
So get to know yourself. And even when you're scared and you're, you're uncomfortable, um, you know, I do this thing all the time when I feel anxiety coming up in my, in my body, I set a timer for 20 minutes. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to put my hand on my heart and I'm just going to listen to that and be like, what's wrong? What's happening? Be your own best friend. Listen to you with the same like passion that you would listen to your best friend who's having trouble. The same way that a best friend would call you and be like, I need you right now. Like, I need to talk to you. I'm having something. Um, you do that for you. And it doesn't mean that you should only listen to yourself when you like are having a crisis. Take time to do that every day, even if it's setting a 15 minute timer or a 20 minute timer to just be like, what do I want today? Um, how am I feeling? Like checking in on you. Um, and I find that doing that every day is such a healing practice and really will help you with overcoming those fears, looking those fears in the face and getting connected to what you really want so that you can take the right steps to design a life that you're passionate about and that you're excited to wake up to every single day. So you don't lose yourself, but rather reconnect with yourself every day. Just like, you know, it's a garden. You got to keep watering it and, and seeing it grow. It's a relationship with yourself. So that relationship with ourselves is so important. I think a lot of times we, like I've said earlier, you know, we get caught up in all the hustle and bustle and everyday life things and we just kind of forget about ourselves, right? We're just a, we're just a moving skin suit doing the things that we need to do instead of being like, who am I and what am I about? And uh, what do I want right now? And what do I need right now? And, you know, really getting that connection. So I'm, I'm so happy that you said that. Well, Celine, mm -hmm. I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.